Advisory. Today we are having the President of the Chamber of Commerce, um, American Chamber of Commerce and DRC, Mr. Lino Chimba. Thank you, Mr. Lino Chimba, for having us. Thank you for having me. Good day. Well, uh, we, you have a very interesting uh, background uh, between Congo, the United States, and Congo again, and now you are in between the two because you are representing American commerce and Congo commerce uh, within the chamber. Um, how did uh, it all started uh, with you in Congo and with you going to the States? Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Alright, I, I think that it all started when I was uh, a young man. I grew up in Bordeaux. I came back to uh, um, Back then it was Zaire, mm -hmm. so I came back to Zaire, spent 12 years in uh, the elite school of uh, College Mobutu. Okay. Then uh, I went to, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about my background. Of course. So then I went to Egypt, I had a scholarship to Egypt and um, I went to study uh, there. But then again I became the first, um, I would say the first black to to a leader guide uh, in Egypt, so I spent a couple of years doing that with a European tourists mm -hmm. or for a tourist company. I went in and out in Monaco, and afterwards What's I went to the United States okay. to further my education, where I got a degree in political science pre-law. Okay. And uh, in, I California, further, right? in California, that was in California. Okay. And uh, I furthered my studies in uh, business administration with a master's degree. Mm -hmm. And I'm currently preparing my uh, PhD in, um, in philosophy. <laughs> so that's a little bit in terms of my background, educational academic background. And uh, after that, of course, I went into the world of um, working. Mm -hmm. And I did many different things. And business particularly? Uh, uh, related to business always, uh, until I became, uh, with my last job, as a banker. Okay. I was an investment banker. I worked for Wells Fargo Advisors, mm -hmm. which was at the time the biggest bank and advisory firm in, uh, in the United States. So it is only after a few years that I decided to return to uh, to return to the homeland or the land of my ancestors, which is Africa and particularly the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And, and why is that? Because I mean, you had a, a great career, a great life over there. Uh, I mean, California is uh, tremendous, beautiful. Uh, so why the, the, the need to be able to... to Absolutely. I, I think that uh, at some point, you have to realize your own value within the system. Okay. So, me being myself, I was one out of many 
in the United States mm -hmm. with what I was doing as a, as a banker. I was just one banker out of thousands and thousands of bankers. Mm -hmm. So uh, I decided that it was important to do something that brings value okay. to uh, our people, mm -hmm. I will say. And being in the world of uh, banking and investment, I saw firsthand how businesses actually make a country because governments don't make countries. Uh, small and uh, small enterprises and uh, entrepreneurs and big companies make a country. They build a country because they are the job creators. That's right. Okay, a government at some point is saturated because they can't get more than what the government can afford. Mm -hmm. But businesses continually create jobs. So I saw it firsthand and I told myself, why not uh, help out in a place where I'm not going to be necessarily one out of the many, mm -hmm. but one out of a few. Most certainly. And we certainly a big need for that here. There you go. So that's what led me to, uh, to put my eyes on the continent and particularly in, uh, on the DRC. Okay. And you came back and you uh, created Africa Equity Investment, you got your own company? Yes, I created the Africa Equity and Investment Group which is more like um, a holding company with a strategic consultancy. Yes. So that's what we do. And uh, Africa Equity uh, and Investment Group has many different companies within it. Okay. So amongst them, Africa Equity Mining, for example. Mm -hmm. Amongst them, Congo uh, Recycling, for mm -hmm. example. So we do have a few other companies that that are a part of the, the group that we created. Okay. And in regards to mining, what are you interested in? Uh, you know, we all know that copper, cobalt, lithium are the minerals in demand and um, en vogue currently. Um, how do you see you know, the, the, the demand going uh, in regards to you know, not only China, but obviously the United States? Um, the, the demand of the mineral will always be there and will always be increasing, mm -hmm. to my point of view. Now, doing business is also about having a vision. Having a vision to fulfill or to fill a need okay. that could be a present need or a future need. Mm -hmm. Okay, So that is why we enter the mining world, because we realize uh, early on that the energy in the world is shifting okay we realize that it's shifting and we understand that for example by 2030 there will be more electrical cars than uh, than ever before and most of the car manufacturers are shifting into electric cars hence the need of uh, batteries for those electric cars so we got into mining because we understand that uh, the demand is there and the demand will continue to increase. Okay. So strategically, we, we made acquisitions of uh, some mining squares mm -hmm. in the DRC in different parts of the uh, south, I would say, and, uh, in Katanga and uh, uh, particularly in um, Lualaba okay. and uh, in uh, the Tanganyika province. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and in regards to the mining sector in the DRC, there's been some uh, you know, strong Chinese investments over the last uh, you know, 10, 15 years. Uh, obviously, uh, North American countries, particularly the United States, wants to come back uh, in the game. Uh, Freeport McMoran was there a couple of years ago, but they sold the stakes to uh, China Moli. And now, uh, a couple of months ago, uh, President Biden asked for uh, some wartime powers uh, used during the Cold War for mineral needed to clean uh, in clean energy push. Uh, and under the Defense Production Act, the objective is to secure U.S. sources of critical minerals that are deemed key components of clean energy technology. Uh, so, in a, in a nutshell, uh, that says that you know American investments uh, into the global mining sector, particularly the Congolese mining sector, are welcomed and are you know uh, obviously needed. How do you see this uh, going forward? Um, does Congo needs to create an environment in which American investments are going to be able to thrive? Or you know, do American investments need to come back and deal with whatever situation that they find in? As we've seen, big companies like uh, Glencore or, or the Chinese um, are still able to operate here, despite the difficult environment uh, that uh, we all know of. Yes, I, I think that uh, talking about the environment, businesses, it's, uh, it's important to understand that America will always operate the American way. Mm -hmm. That means that we cannot necessarily plunge into an environment where uh, there is lots of corruption, there's no good governance. Those are components that we have seen uh, evolving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Okay, The last few years have shown us that uh, the uh, the government has tackled uh, those issues seriously sure. and uh, the coming of American companies will be uh, always based on uh, doing the right thing, doing business correctly into an environment where you have good governance and less corruption or no corruption at all. Mm -hmm. So that, that being said, it seems like we don't have the same standards as others. Okay. So Chinese can come in masses, Indians can come in masses, but we carefully want to uh, thread in the waters of a good, clean environment for businesses to, to thrive and the people, the national people, to thrive. So I believe that we have huge interest mm -hmm. right now. The interest is big and the reality is following. Like, for example, in uh, July, we're going to have a serious economic mission uh, into the United States dealing with uh, agricultural, energy, and um, the mining sector as well. Mm -hmm. So, having the opportunities is one thing, but engaging the conversation with the real players in the field of mining is a different element on its own. So it is important that we engage those conversations. But now, that being said, I think and I do believe that Congolese involvement is actually the most important thing in terms of mining. Uh, it will be good to see some Congolese getting together and uh, creating good companies that can ex exploit their own resources. 
For sure. And uh, that's perhaps uh, a far-fetched dream, but uh, I believe that we have the resources, we have the people here, and uh, we do have lots of money floating around here. For sure. So we need to look at it that way. We cannot only wait for foreigners to come and invest uh, in the DRC or waiting for the Americans to come uh, and do things. It has to be a joint effort with everybody. And we've seen this economic model in other African countries. Uh, Absolutely. Nigeria, Ghana. Absolutely. Um, where there are a lot of national from those countries, you know, big operators uh, within oil and gas or, or in the mining sector. So it's certainly something to replicate here. I think that we don't need to uh, reinvent the wheel. We need to look at what other people have done in their country to create some sort of autonomy, to create some sort of national wealth, mm -hmm. uh, instead of turning constantly to the foreigners to uh, bring their own investments here. And going back to your uh, business background, you uh, told me earlier about um, uh, the relationship that you had with one of the FedEx uh, founder, uh, Mr. Charles Brandon. Charles Brandon. Charles Brandon, uh, who influenced you in regards to business and how Absolutely. to conduct business. Uh, he was a friend of Fred, Fred Smith. Fred Smith, yes. I believe. Absolutely. Um, how, how, how did it go? How how did it inspire you to get where you are and accomplish what you've done? Um, uh, Charles Brandon was uh, basically a mentor to me because in the world of business you need a few elements to be successful. You need to have a vision, you need to have a passion in what you do and you also need some sort of mentoring mm -hmm. especially if you're getting into a field that is unknown to you. So Charles Brandon was not only a friend, but he was more like a mentor to me. Uh, he was there at the earliest days of uh, the creation of the multinational company uh, FedEx, which is a multi-billion dollars company today. And um, I've learned a few things from him that led me to become uh, who I am today. And the most, important, the most important thing that I learned from Charles Brandon is that he always told me, you know, there's a way to get results guaranteed in what you do. How so? By doing nothing. So if you want to get results guaranteed, you do nothing and you'll get zero. So now when you put it on the reverse, you understand that you have to do things, you have to take risks in order to get something happening. And this is exactly what I did when I decided to come to Africa. Uh, I looked into the market, I looked at what was needed at the time because I traveled a lot in my lifetime mm -hmm. and uh, I like good food and I love good wine. Obviously, I, I grew up in Bordeaux. I got an early love for, uh, for the wine. But I realized that many places I would go, I would eat well, but I would not drink good wine. Mm -hmm. So especially in Africa, I visited many countries and I decided that it was an opportunity to not only bring good wine from all over the world to mm -hmm. Africans, 
but to also initiate a culture of wine. Talking of which, uh, in addition to being the chief executive of Africa Equity Investments and, and the president of the American Chamber of Commerce in DRC, you're also the CEO of uh, your own wine company, uh, which name is... In Vino uh, Veritas. In Vino Veritas, Cellos, yes. California Fine Wine. Yes. Uh, so you got into that uh, after living in Bordeaux and initially got your first entry into the... No, I mean, I lived testing. in Bordeaux. I grew up, my early childhood was in Bordeaux. Okay. And uh, there was always wine at the table. Of course. So I think it triggered me to have uh, more of an interest, a crude interest into wine. But it's not given to everybody at the same degree. Mm-hmm. We are nine kids in the family, but only three of us. Uh, into wine and uh, uh, you, you can't say it's the majority of the children. So uh, that love came early on, but I think that when you do something, you have to have a passion for it. Mm-hmm. You don't just do uh, or create a business because your neighbor did that. Of course. You have to love what you do. You have to have a passion for it and you should prevent yourself from considering it as your child. Because if you look at big companies in the world today, the, there are rare companies where you have one owner with 100% ownership. So most of the time you will have uh, someone with 10-15% equity or shareholding mm-hmm. because they don't consider They don't consider it as their baby. They consider it as a common baby, a baby that's raised, like we say in Africa, a a child is raised by a whole village. It's the same concept in the business because you need new people to come in, you need new ideas, you need challenging ideas, Mm -hmm. and you do need, at some point, many companies need additional capital to grow. And if you don't have it, you have to do an exchange in terms of equity, shareholding, and you bring it while you remain yourself in it or you sell out. So for me, wine is simply a passion. Today, I'm less involved into the wine uh, company because uh, my wife took over that portion of the business. She's passionate about wine, which is... uh, an element that's needed into running uh, a good business. So, but as we say, the company exists and it's, it's thriving. In California. Uh, right. In California, it's based in California, in the uh, San Francisco area. And uh, we export California fine wines to the world and especially, uh, particularly in, in Africa and the Congo. And uh, today we are not simply not limited into California wines. Mm-hmm. We deal with the finest wines of the world. Okay, we deal with the finest champagne, the finest bubbles uh, in the world. And, and California wine production has a rich uh, viticulture history, uh, as well as the one in, in France, in Bordeaux. Uh, there's also one uh, very good in South Africa. Uh, what are the possibilities to create a wine industry in the DRC with production based out of here? 
Uh, I would say uh, good wine comes from everywhere wine can be produced. Okay. Uh, in 1976, for example, in the Jugement de Paris, uh, California wines won over French wines. And in that competition, you had actually uh, two of the five uh, classified wines of France as some of the best, like uh, Chateaubriand and uh, uh, was in the competition. But talking about production of wine here, we engaged some studies recently uh, in the eastern part of the country. So we realized that on the slopes of the mountain, the lower part, mm -hmm. in those volcanic area we can uh, we can do uh, we can grow some uh, some chardonnay and uh, some pinot noir so it's an experience that uh, an experiment that already started so uh, but as you know for red wine you need to wait five years in order to produce wine all we need to control as a challenge is the excess uh, water rain so uh, vines don't like excessive water so the reason why we will go on the slopes it's because we don't want the water to drain into uh, the ground but slide off okay. that's the only challenge beside that all the elements are there uh, the sun gives us good sun rays uh, you have uh, uh, good 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 climate for for wine in the eastern part of the Congo. So now it will take years to get there, mm -hmm. and it will take good investment, huge investment, long-term investment to get there. So it will be five to ten years to be able to five to ten it. years. I will say that uh, to see a good bottle, a good bottle of red wine, uh, we 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 will be looking into twenty. Uh, 2027, not 2027, 2028. And what are the brackets of investments? Just to have a, a general idea for the, the public to be able to uh, you know, start production. I mean, if, if you want to do uh, a wine it, to be able to give the whole country wine, mm -hmm. you're talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars. But this is something that will start off as a small production, a limited production, accessible to a few, and then with the course of time, it's going to evolve into a bigger production. The lands are available, the expertise is there. I have my, my, all my old good friends uh, in Napa Valley and uh, even in the Champagne region, we have good partners that are willing to come and uh, work with us in this project. But the cost, it is costly. Especially initially. Absolutely. And it's a long-term investment. So if you think of investing today and harvesting tomorrow, it's not the right business for you. So you, you need to put your money and effort and love, time and passion in order to get something uh, good. Oh, certainly. Well, thank you for giving us a bit of outlook. We're now going to take a little break. Uh, so we're going to have a, a little jingle publicity for our sponsors for today. 
which is World Bank, the biggest bank in the DRC, uh, who's, uh, which is celebrating 20 years uh, this year of existence. So. May 2nd, 2002 to May 2nd, 2022. 20 years together. It has been 20 years that Robank has supported the development of the Congolese economy. 20 years that Robank has been working alongside the Congolese people to realize their project, meet their challenges, and realize their dreams. 20 years that we offer the best banking experience in terms of accessibility and innovation. 20 years that together we are building a great and strong Congo. Robank's objective is to give its corporates, SME, and individual clients access to the most modern techniques, services, and products in the banking and financial sectors, which explains the relevance of its slogan. Robank is my bank. So going back to your main activity, which is the you know, president of the American Chamber of Commerce in DRC, the American Chamber of Commerce is the biggest business federation in the world, I believe. Um, you know, American business are all over the world, in America, but also internationally, as we know. Um, you know from food restaurants to you know, uh, tech to you know, McDonald's and you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to name them all. Um, what are your activities, what is your vision in the DRC in regards to private sector uh, here and private sector over there, the liaison between the two, uh, the relationship, uh, historical relationship between the two and, and what can be uh, foreseen for the, for the future of uh, those two relationships. Uh, I would say that we are proud to be a part of the US uh, Chamber of Commerce, which is like you say, the biggest federation of enterprise in the world. We count over 3 million companies uh, as members of the, uh, the US Chamber of Commerce throughout the world. And we are the national representation here in DRC, which is uh, called the MCHAM uh, DR Congo. Now, as such, we have the duty to get our members, American companies and Congolese companies, because it's not only about American companies. American companies are, uh, form the majority of members, but we do have also Congolese companies as members. We want to make sure that they stay compliant with the national laws and regulations in order to do business in the correct way. And we are more uh, an advocate of our members as well, the existing ones, and uh, we help them grow as well. Now, we are the link, the non-political link between the companies of the US that wants to come to DRC uh, for opportunities of investment, and we help them settle in the right way, like I say, following the compliance of the law, here and uh, we are there to make sure that they are treated correctly and understanding that in any uh, level playing field American companies always perform best 
So we are fighting, for example, right now with um, four, not not against, but we are fighting for uh, good normalization in the taxation and fiscality. Uh, for example, in the DRC, because it's a uh, it seems like there's a multiplicity of taxes. Mm -hmm. uh, we want it to be streamlined. We are currently working with the Prime Minister's office to make sure that uh, we get a streamlining of the taxes. And we not only working theoretically, but we also have the resources to help the country uh, get there. Because as you know, if uh, we get to uh, a numerization, uh, digitalization of uh, the whole taxation system, it will definitely lead to good governance For sure. and, and less change. corruption. So this is actually one of the priorities, if not the priority of the, the US Chamber of Commerce in DRC at this moment. Yeah. And, and a lot more transparency. Absolutely. Uh, you know, within all Absolutely. sectors. And I, I would say, be, besides being the president of the chamber uh, and the chairman of the board, I am also an administrator. I'm on the board of uh, FEC, the Federation of Enterprises of Congo. Okay. Uh, this is the business, biggest business lobby group. Absolutely. Europe. So we work jointly with the FEC to push forward the agenda of um, the streamlining of taxation in, in DRC. And uh, the, the possibility of the you know, DRC private sector and the US private sector being more in liaise beyond mining, because we, we talk about mining a lot, obviously, um, and it's understandable because it's 80% of uh, the economic resource of, of, of this country. But what are the possibilities beyond the mining sector? Because Congo is not always about mining. Yeah. It's not only about mining, it's about also Absolutely. opportunities uh, within it. I think the first rule of investment, the first rule of investment is diversification. If you stay focused in only one thing, you put all your eggs in one basket, if something happens, you lose all your eggs. It's a simple thing to understand. So if you do not diversify, you, will, you obviously will run against a wall at some point. That is why I believe that the Congo should not put all its focus into mining. But I think that the president, Tshisekedi, uh, has stated it very clearly. We want more agriculture, we want more energy, and uh, we want mining as well. But uh, we need to have a process of diversification. We have here in the DRC, amongst the most fertile land in the world. This is a country where you can eat a mango, okay, and you drop the, the core of the mango, le noyau, you, you dropped it on the ground and it grows by itself. Okay, you can understand that we have agricultural opportunities that go beyond beyond, beyond imagination. But compared to countries like South Africa, it's not in the culture here. Uh, in, in an industrial way, so to speak, maybe not in an artisanal way, but in an industrial fashion, 
it's not something that's ingrained in Congolese yes, minds. Yes, I, I do agree with you to, to a certain extent. But I, I think that um, the love of the land, the love of the country, is something very important to have. Because not everybody should work in an office. In America, for example, back in the days, a long time ago, what they did, they used to give land. They would say, if you go Midwest, we give you 10 acres of land, but you have to grow, uh, you have to do agriculture. The country, in, in this case, the Congo, the population is concentrated along the rivers, okay? Sorry. Along and close to the rivers. You can spread it, I don't know, 15 kilometers on each side. But when you take a plane to go, for example, from Kinshasa to Lubumbashi, you could see the vast land that's empty. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that the ratio of population compared to the land is about, if I'm not mistaken, it's less than 15% land occupied by the whole population. Mm -hmm. So what do we do with the rest of the land? Everybody wants to live in, you know, at the same place or around the same place. The love of the country is something that is key to the uh, development of a country. When you love your country, you start thinking of long-term investment. You don't think of an investment that is a short-term investment where you have your gain tomorrow or the day after. Mm. We need to invest in agriculture. And we have the means right here. We have the means. The Congo has the means to do that. We don't need Indian people to come and uh, show us how to do agriculture. If we don't get to that point, I don't think we'll ever take off, as uh, the country will never take off economically, because the effort can be put into mining at some point. Mining will not give the same resources that it gives right now. You can look at the example of uh, the Arab countries producing oil. Producing oil. Mm -hmm. What did they do? What are they doing right now? Diversification. They're diversifying into uh, renewable energy and etc. Because the wall is nearing. Or investing okay. in football clubs in Europe. Diversification. You can do whatever you want to do, but don't do just one thing because that one thing will come to an end at some point. That's for that's sure. You know? Mm -hmm. And agriculture is something where people will always need food. People will always need food. I mean, our neighbor countries, the neighboring countries will always need food. The Congolese will always need food. So it, it's not something that will go away. But it's a culture um, in countries such as Kenya or South Africa or, or you know, even Tanzania. Uh, it's a culture that is there in, um, in the people's mind and, and, and everyday activities. It's not here. How do you, you know, channel... Loving, loving the country means also educating people from an early age to understand the value of agriculture, to understand the value of 
renewable energy to understand the value of mining, all those components. But these are things that we need to start early on. Okay? And investing into people understanding the value of agriculture. I mean, it's something that will always be with us. I would prefer not to drive my car, but not go without food. It's a necessity, it's a daily necessity. And imagine that if you have an agricultural project, product that you sell for 50 cents to 1 million people every day. Imagine the kind of wealth that you create. From that, the number of jobs that you're going to create. And I do believe that we learn from people or countries that already done it, see how they did it, because we do not need to reinvent the wheel. But at the same time, we generate the funding from here. I don't think there is a single agricultural bank here in no, the RC. Is there no, any? I'm not aware of that. Why not? I mean, we need to start focusing in the things that can take the country and move it forward, but with the love of the country. And uh, we talked about the business environment uh, early on. You are one of the directors of the board at the Federation uh, des Entreprises du Congo. Uh, and you're also obviously at the American Chamber of Commerce. Uh, people complain a lot about the business environment. Whose responsibility is that? Is that uh, fake? Is that the, the government? Is that a little bit of the two? How do you make an environment which is better for the economic operators that are actually operating you know, here and now on the ground over potential investors who want to come to Congo but they are not very you know, confident aside from the corruption or the alleged corruption that is going on you know, into an environment or where the capital uh, is going to be secure? I think sitting on the table and starting a conversation is key. Because recently, we had members of our, our chamber, uh, we had members that saw new taxes okay, imposed upon them uh, without even any sort of consult, consult, consultation. Okay? For example, uh, in the telecommunication, uh, I would say Africel, for example, is a member of the chamber. Uh, Africel is seeing the taxes increase from uh, 37%, I believe, up to 53%. Okay? That is incredible. It's a provincial tax. It's not a national tax. So, before you get into taxing people or taxing companies, you need to have some sort of conversation because then you will understand how you do it in conjunction with them telling you the impact that's going to fall on them and on the people who are the clients. We want digitalization of the country, okay, which will lead to good governance. But now, if you increase the taxes on telecoms, 
the price of the tax, the tag, the price tag of those taxes will be transferred to who? To the client. Mm -hmm. Then you will have less people involved in the digitalization. Then we will not move forward, but we're going to go backward. Fake and us, what we prone and what we would like to see is uh, the enlargement of what we call here in French l'assiette fiscale. Mm -hmm. We need to make it bigger so we get more people involved. We don't need to tax more the same people who are already compliant. And scare them away. Because what will, will, will happen is that you're going to scare them away and they're going to go in unofficial channels. Simply. So we need to make the plate of taxation and fiscality much bigger, much larger, but with fair taxes. And it's already the case with many companies who prefer to operate in an informal way because they sense that you know, the taxation, ta taxation of, of Congolese authorities are not fair, whether it's you know, true or not. Well, to, uh, to fair, or not, fair or not, the government has the right to do what it believes is correct in, in order to raise taxes, in order to, to uh, get more money into the treasury. But what we want is not penalizing the people who are already paying and ultimately penalizing the clients at large. Texaf, which is a, a real estate company, so the taxes go uh, from, I would say, uh, with an increase of 1,000% from 2012 to now. This is unheard of anywhere in the world. Uh, I mean, this, this, we're talking about provincial taxes. So we are working with the government, having conversations in order to come to some compromise. And how do we justify such a spike in uh, the taxation? But unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not a politician. I'm not the one who sets the tax brackets or the tax hikes. But what I know in terms of business, the more you tax people, the lesser you're going to have new business coming in and the lesser you're going to have people paying taxes because obviously they're going to be asphyxiated at some point. Mm -hmm. They're not going to have the money that you want them to pay you. Definitely. You know, so it's, it's a conversation to have with concrete actions to follow. Mm -hmm. Okay, as I say, we, we're currently working with... Uh, the Prime Minister's office uh, regarding those issues. So we hope to get to some good compromise. Uh, the show is called The Right Advice. Uh, would you have any, I know there are plenty of advices we could give uh, with your vast experience in, in business and uh, everything related to it. Uh, but if you would have one advice for an entrepreneur or one advice for an investor and one advice for a Congolese national, what would it be? Uh, in an environment that is difficult, not easy to, um, you know, to swim within, uh, so to speak. Um, no, I would say, sometimes I wonder how and why Indian businesses are, are thriving. How and why Lebanese businesses are, th are thriving. How and why Chinese businesses are, are thriving. Most definitely. You know, um, 
It's called networking. It's called networking. These people get together. I'll give you a, a simple example. I was getting uh, involved into uh, a company called Sinekin, uh, mm -hmm. okay. into buying some shares uh, into that company. And uh, the owner, who was also a friend of mine, uh, told me that at the beginning he could not find funding for his great idea because this gentleman brought cinema back in the Congo. Okay, but he couldn't find a single investor, Congolese investor, to invest into his venture. But he did find Indian investors, okay, that gave him some money. So I told him, well, we're going to buy them out and we're going to move on. So we called the Indian and they said, no problem. We, we gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. He said, okay, I'm okay with it. Uh, so we said, okay, we're gonna draw the papers and we're gonna sign your exit, your good exit. And he said, no, I have to ask, I have to ask my partners. So well, pick up the phone, call them right here, right now. He said, no, there's 35 of them. 35 people put $2,000 each to get 70,000 that was needed. It's called working together. Okay. Congolese entrepreneurs need to learn to work together. Money is not an issue. There's a lot of money circulating here. You can only and simply look at the number of uh, luxury cars that you have in the streets that are bought in cash. Okay, you can simply look at that. Sorry. Uh, but people need to set their priorities straight and start forming some, uh, some networking habits that will lead them to work together, put their money together. We don't even have a single Congolese bank. Do you believe that the money is missing here? Of course. Congolese cannot put a hundred or two hundred Congolese cannot put money together to. to to fund the bank. So what's preventing them from, from the lack The lack of working together because most people believe that they can succeed individually while the success is a collective process. You know, we can be 10 people wanting to do uh, 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 a venture, an enterprise that requires one million dollars. I don't have a million dollars, but I have 200,000, for example. You don't have a million, but you have 400,000. He doesn't have a million, but he has 150,000. When you put 10 people together, the million becomes an easy, an easy thing to get because each one just put a hundred thousand dollars. You understand? But individually, we will never be able to uh, get that jump started because we simply don't have individually the means. So why don't we think of doing collectively things to, uh, to move the needle a little bit? So I would say for Congolese entrepreneurs, because the, the, there are so many of them, there are so many talented ones, I would say let's learn to work together here. Thank you.
fitting advice to uh, to conclude this show. All right. Thank you very much for. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you for having me, and uh, I hope it's not the last time to be on your show. All right. Thank you very much, and uh, have a good day, and all the best for the American Chamber of Commerce here and the business that uh, you have in the tech. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thank you.